right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Looking for a home run ball. Gets it into Love. KU not fouling. Love fades, shoots. He misses. He misses. And Kansas will win. It's a better for Kansas basketball. Well, it's Thursday, and yep, double-check, that still has not gotten old. It's Royals opening day. We'll talk about that in the 4 o'clock hour as the game is literally going on. Uh, we're going to talk with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star in about 20 minutes from right now here on RCST. We've also got our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. KU Rugby, Andy Stewart, we'll have that for you at the end of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, in case you missed it yesterday, we'll replay our Benny Failhaber interview for Sporting KC2, the head coach. They're playing here this weekend at Rock Chalk Park. We're doing a ticket giveaway. We're doing one on social media. We're also doing one on air here on RCST. So we'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. It'll be free tickets to be had. That's right. It's uh, that easy. I can officially announce this because we uh, we played, we, we had the Failhaber interview yesterday as well. Um, and I, I did ask him any chance of changing the name of Sporting KC2 to the Fighting Adam Drovetta's. No. Does yeah, he was not pretty seem stern like, in he was that. pretty clear it was not going to happen, which is kind of a shame. Yeah, very much a shame. Uh, RCST, by the way, brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile has amazing deals for everyone at any of the Lawrence locations. Don't choose between value or coverage. Get both with T-Mobile. You know, it's, it's funny because... Um, as much as the season went on for KU, you know, there were different points of up and ups and downs. Like, I, I think, like, if you were to diagnose or, or write a journal about when you felt highest on this team, when you felt like they could be a Final Four, a national title winning team versus when you didn't, I think, like, after the, you know, in the preseason, that was the expectation. This was a top five team. In the uh, aftermath of the first game of the year in the Champions Classic against Michigan State, that was still the expectation, if not more, because you saw what it looked like against Michigan State and how good Ochai Baji was in that first game. And you saw you. a good performance from Remy yeah. in the second oh, yeah, half. Yeah. Anyway. I think he scored 14 in the second half. Very reminiscent game. of the title game yeah, second half, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you so think you, about it. So you had, not only did you see Ochai go, ooh, this might be a guy that just played himself into a top 15 pick you also saw what you expected out of Remy Martin yeah um and then somewhere along the way probably the ESPN events invitational took a bit of a hit with the Dayton loss it still felt like though the expectations are high it's just one kind of weird loss if it happens again then it's a problem but you know you don't love seeing that um then you blow out Missouri the vibes are still high or as Remy Martin would say the vibes are immaculate um and then you get to big 12 play and it's kind of a slog. You have Remy Martin get injured at the outskirts of non-con play. You have the uh, troublesome game against George Mason that you kind of barely oh, win yeah, I forgot about at the end one. there, and that bleeds Wasn't in that conference the, play. The, the Blizzard game that they were, I mean, they were just begging you to show yeah. up because they, they put the game out. That was George Mason was the game that, that replaced, was it the Colorado game? I think so. Yeah, um, I mean they were supposed to play TCU at home that yeah, day, and that and, got pushed back. And so they were they they added a game because they lost the game with Colorado due to COVID issues with Colorado. 
Um, and then, yeah, as you said, they postponed the TCU game till March. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a moment. But that George Mason one, I totally forgotten about because not only did they add it with only two or three days in advance, it was the weather. I remember it was snowy and gross, and they were really, I think it was like 20 bucks flat rate to get in. They had some great, Oh, it was really cheap. They had some crazy great deal on that because of how short notice and the weather. So you, you barely win that. Then you have the, the game where you beat Oklahoma State, but it doesn't look super pretty with the nine-minute spell without scoring the kind of end of the game, and then you lose to Texas Tech, and then it's kind of like, okay, what's going on with this team? You barely beat Iowa State where you get the win, but you're not feeling that much better. I I remember there were columns from Jesse Newell who were going to have come on that, you know, KU's winning games now, but they're a worse team, you know? The Tech loss, and I actually said it it was when you were – I can't remember why. It wasn't when you were at the dentist more recently, but it was before Christmas time. I had a couple shows where I I was running solo, and I, I think you'd gone out of town to visit family before the Christmas holiday. But there was like a Friday and a Monday where I was I was going solo, and I remember saying that I think Friday, and I wouldn't say the words national championship, but I said I think this team can really do it, and all of you know the it that I actually mean. And I meant the national championship, so I was riding super high then, and I think most of the fan base was. And the, the Iowa State game, I think, is an important one to bring up because I think if you turn around and and smoke Iowa State, you know, and, you know, not by like thirty, but let's say you beat Iowa State, who had a great non-con. Let's say you come into Allen Fieldhouse and you beat Iowa State by fifteen. That I that made the that would have made the Texas Tech loss what much more forgivable. Yeah, so it would have so, been like okay, if, if you crush Iowa State, then you're going all right. Texas Tech was just a a a, a, a good game, you know, good team on the road. So then you go through. You have the blowout loss to Kentucky. You're as down as you ever are all season. Two games later, you blow up Baylor. You're as high as you ever are all yeah, season. Right back to back. Then you're back down after the Baylor and TCU losses. After you were really high after that because you went on a a big streak of wins that included the Baylor game where you, I think you won six of seven games. And the only loss was overtime in Austin. You're down after TCU. You're not really feeling much better even after you win the next two because you felt like you blew the opportunity to win the Big Twelve outright. You just lost TCU. But then after the Big 12 tournament, you feel high. You feel up. He's looking good. Then the bracket comes out, and it looks pretty good for KU. And then as things go along, you're starting to feel it more and more and more. But it's interesting because if we just go back to the start of the season, it felt like at the beginning of the year, before the year even started, over the course of the offseason, how this team was put together, KU went into this year, and I remember having conversations about this in the offseason feeling like they were selling out to win a title. And I I know that's different than, you know, this isn't a professional sport where when you say selling out to win a title, you're, you know, uh, mortgaging future cap. It's not trading for Frank Clark and and signing Tyron Matthews. Right, or it's not, you know, if the Royals were to go out today and and trade Bobby Witt for, you know, Frankie Montas. Yeah, it's not Will Myers for James Shields. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's, it's not in that regard, like, to some extent in college sports, you're always trying to win and always try to build for the future at the same time. And it's also not different than, you know, for any blue blood, for any high-level program like KU, you're going to try to win each and every season. So I don't mean, you know, you're going to ever take a pass on a season. Like, the goal each and every year is for this to happen. Um, But when I say fully selling out, like, there's a difference between maybe what you did in previous years where, you know, you thought you would have a great team, but going all in for it, and who knows what the future holds with the NCAA stuff. 
I, I think that was very much part of this. The fact that you had all these starting uh, players coming back, but you went out and, you know, you could have, instead of going out and getting Jalen Coleman-Lance, a seventh-year senior, or instead of going out and get Remy Martin, although less so with Remy Martin, because no matter what, he would have been high on the priority list with, with how you know, highly received of a transfer he was. Cam Martin, for instance. Like, some of the guys you went out and got were with the direct idea of helping us win right now, as opposed to using up those scholarships on guys who would be here a couple years or on young freshmen who maybe you could kind of try to build up. You went for it this year, and you hit it. I'll go back to our conversation with Cole Aldrich ahead. I can't remember if that was ahead of the tournament or ahead of the Sweet 16. But he talked about how that, when he was asked about uh, the pressure of, of feeling the pressure with maybe Bill Self having not made a Final Four at that time, um, he talked about there was that, but also the pressure feeling like that was the last hurrah with that group. Now, that time was a little bit different because you, you kept players for longer back then, for the most part, and um, there were no potential sanctions looming. But it, that, I think, is a good way to put it. Maybe not selling out completely for one year, but this felt like your last best chance for at least mm-hmm. three years, probably. And every move you made around that was to win now. It wasn't about building for the future. Now, the beauty of college basketball with the transfer portal, you could technically do that each and every year. I mean, we see Texas Tech do it the last handful of years. But but the beauty of it now is, you know, if you get banned from the postseason next year or two years or whatever it is, whenever this case comes down, and I don't know if that'll be the case or not, but if it does end up happening— you you went for it this year because you kind of had to for that reason. Yeah, and it hit. for, for it that re- yes for that reason and also because you knew Ochai wasn't coming back. Like you knew Dave technically Dave still could come back, but like but I, I mean, think, there's I, always going to be it good was, players who are about to leave. Exactly, Kansas. and I think it was a combination of you're about to lose some great talent, but on top of that, more pressure beyond just you're about to lose great talent. It's like you said, you're really feeling it because it's got to be. He'd never say it publicly, but Self had to be thinking in the back of his mind in October, this is a really good team, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I'm going to be able to be in the tournament in 2023 and 2024. Well, and like hypothetically, if you're sitting on, if you're Bill Self and you're sitting on one title headed into 2023 and 2024, you know, it's it's still really hard to just win the ones. I don't want to take away from that. But now there's just such a different mindset to how you go into that, that if you do get a postseason ban, you don't view it as, man, now it's going to be so long before... Uh, our next title, and in between the two titles, now you don't have to worry about that. You won the title. If you get a ban for a year or two, you don't want it, but you're more apt to just say, okay, well, we won the title. That's awesome. All right, we're going to take a break for the uh, Masters update here, and then that'll be followed by a commercial break. Then Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Normally joined on Wednesdays by Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star and kansascity.com here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Yesterday we we thought that we were out at uh, 350 for KU Baseball for Missouri. Turns out the game was at 7, so we had a programming uh issue there so jesse now joins us on a wednesday instead here on rcst uh auburn loses in the second round providence loses in the sweet 16 david mccormick shows his value at a high 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 level will you be scheduling your own victory parade this weekend <laughs> no none for me because uh derek you're nice enough to me on this show to leave out all the things i get wrong and that is a 
probably a longer list than the things I get right. But, uh, yeah, sometimes it works out. And for Kansas, obviously, it did work out in the end. And that's why there's going to be another banner hanging out of the field house. A pretty impressive run for these Jayhawks. Yeah, so you say that, though. I mean, I, I think enough people give, uh, you know, yourself, me, whoever, uh, enough, you know, uh, I don't know, crap about the stuff we do get wrong. So I think we should celebrate the stuff that, that we get right. And you nailed it all season long with, with David McCormick and everything there. Uh, so I am curious, and I, I know you wrote about this in the Kansas City Star, about, you know, what kind of led up to Dave not being named Final Four MOP and how the voting process kind of worked against him there. I'm curious, did, did you vote for somebody, and who did you vote for? I did not vote. Um, so it's interesting that there's an app that they encourage you to get at the Final Four as a media member. If I wanted to allow notifications, and my immediate reaction to any app that asked me if I want to allow notifications is no. So I actually did not know I could be a voter until that 12-minute media time that when somebody did come around uh, in the second half, uh, and it's a person and said, hey, just a reminder to vote, just a reminder to vote. And I, you know how it is, like, they're, you're, you're there covering it, you've got other things going on. And so I, I heard them, and I was like, okay, what does that mean? And I didn't know there was a link, so... I did not vote, um, and usually, like I said, uh, you're there to work for the publication or newspaper or radio station or whoever that you're there to work for. So I, I usually don't give it much thought if I do just because I'm, I'm there for other purposes. So I did not vote for that. I also did not know I could vote for that. So uh, I think there was a few communication breakdowns in this particular year. But uh, unfortunate for Dave McCormick because however it happened, it, it seemed like they probably got the wrong, the wrong guy for Final Four MLP. And um, I, I think – We'll see. We'll, we'll see if Phil Self rectifies the situation because he can do it with a, a wave of his magical wand. Mm. But, uh, yeah, if, if he does, then David McCormick can still go up in the rafters as the rightful Final Four MOP, and uh, potentially that's something that Phil Self could consider. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm curious if that um, opens things up for, you know, like, for instance, you could make the argument that if, if you're going to base it on who you think should have got it as opposed to just what actually happened, then... You could also say, well, should Darrell Arthur be in there? You know, because I know Bill Self has mentioned this before, like the idea that um, Darrell Arthur was the best player in the championship game. Or you go back, and I know this is actually something Bill Self's mentioned. I think he did so earlier this year on Hawk Talk. So this this is a guy that I just think should be in there in general. But Keith Langford, the idea that, you know, if they win the title, he wins Final Four MOP most likely. Uh, that could get him in as well. I, I, I'm curious um, if, I don't know, does it open up like a can of worms in any regard? It does if Kansas wins a national title like every two or three years. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's probably what keeps it from being that sort of thing is because, yeah, I mean, this is what happens. I mean, I, I use this a lot lately, but to the victor go the spoils. I mean, that's, that's sort of the situation Kansas is in right now because Kansas won a national championship. Now, I'm sure Bill Self would love to tell you, hey, uh, yeah, win three of the next six and have the same sort of situation play out over and over again. And you don't want to just throw everybody up in the rafters, but, if we think about this in a normal time span and how even the best of the best college basketball teams win this thing every 10 or so years if they're lucky, I just don't think it's, it's that big of a hill to potentially die on to say, hey, look, if voters could vote on this thing after the game ended and have their thoughts gathered, David McCormick would have won MOP. And um, I, I just think that's the reality of the situation. So Phil's um, off to decide that. And again, he already gave David McCormick the net from the game. So, um, maybe that'll do a little bit for him as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of KU fans, the vocal 
majority of them that would like to see David up in the rafters based off what he did. And it's sort of interesting. I put this in the story as well, but it's not the first time this happened. In 2017, North Carolina had a very similar situation where Kennedy Meeks made a couple of really big plays down the stretch and had a huge uh, game in the Final Four for North Carolina, and he ended up not getting MOP honors, even though most people thought he deserved them afterwards. And there was an online petition chair to try to get him up in the rafters, but uh, Roy Williams is really a stickler for the rules uh, for the rafters ceremonies uh, at both Kansas and North Carolina. So Kennedy Meeks has never made it up there, and we'll see how it turns out with uh, David McCormick as well. Yeah, uh, I... I... Just don't understand why, especially if it's on an app. Like, why can they not just take the vote after it ends? It'll take like five minutes. I, I don't get that. But anyway, well, and, and yeah, I think I think the bigger thing to me, Derek, they want like Jim Nance to be able to present that trophy after the game on television. But who cares if you're not getting the guy right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like just have Jim Nance hand the national championship trophy to the team and and have her be happy. And if he wants to interview Ochai. He can interview Ochai. But this is such a, a an important award, a, a big thing. Yeah, I mean, give people till midnight that night to, to, and then announce it the next day. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a big honor. It has such huge implications. There's no reason to rush it up and try to get it done in three minutes. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the, uh, if the thing changes, um, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, USBWA, which is the Basketball Rivals Association for College Basketball, and the NCAA kind of jointly give that MLP award. And um, one of the old North Carolina writers, uh, Luke DeCock, he's the new USBWA president this year. So, uh, you know, I talked to David Warlock and me and somebody saying, hey, is anything going to change next year? And he said, well, no, but we'll have discussions with the USBWA. And if, if they want to discuss something, then potentially we can, we can enact that. So I, I'll be interested to see if, if Luke DeCock, I think he's been the president now for about three days. He gets the gavel handed over to him at the Final Four. But um, I'll be interested to see if, if he's seen this happen now twice in front of him in the last five or six years. Uh, both with, um, you know, programs that he watched, you know, that they then basically get it wrong. So there might be a new voting process next year. It'll depend if they can get some things moving on in the offseason and potentially getting this thing right in the end. My favorite part about that would be that, like, there have already been so many rule changes that were because of KU. Is like, like, they, uh, 2002, they didn't used to seed the one seeds, and then you had KU Maryland. A lot of people thought it was, like, the title game, and then they changed it a couple years after that. Um, 20, I think 16, KU was the number one overall seed and they didn't get the spot they wanted to go to. And then they changed it after that, that you requested. That'd be funny if this was a change because of KU as well. Um, uh, overall though, with, with, you know, the Remy Martin story, the David McCormick story, both have such interesting career arcs. Um, if you were writing a book and I don't know, maybe you are planning on writing a book on, on something with this or anything, uh, which of those would, would intrigue you more as, as far as the story arc, Remy or Dave? Um, good question. Yeah, the stars writing a book, at least I can tell you that I've been uh, writing forwards and things this past week. So I can at least uh, promise that if, if people are wanting uh, Christmas gifts or I don't know, Father's Day gifts coming up, that that'll be available to them. But they're so different. You know, I think it's probably easier to like grasp the Remy Martin situation because it kind of happened in a compressed time period. And the, the narrative is just so obvious, <laughs> like this, this freewheeling Mustang of a player who has never had to play with any structure comes to Kansas with the coach who does not accept anything other than a player's best and playing defense and all that. And somehow throughout this entire season, you know, like he gets hurt and he, you know, coach wants him to come, his coach wants him to come back and he doesn't want to come back until he's fully healthy. And finally the coach relents. And so then he stays out and then he comes back. He doesn't look healthy. And all of a sudden he is healthy. And then he saves them in basically three NCAA tournament games. 
Uh, that's probably a more compelling narrative. I, I think it's just harder to like put your finger on the David McCormick thing and honestly kind of hard to explain why, as Bill Self said after the game, he's been so maligned, one of the most maligned players in Kansas history up until this point, because, I mean, we've repeated this a lot, but like, he is a good kid. He's nice. He tries hard. It just, he probably had, you know, the, the biggest, the worst case scenario of them all, which was he came right after Yudok Azubuki, who was beloved and could sky and get jump and could block shots and could catch lobs. And I mean, just such a fun player to watch. And, and, and Dave was not Yudoka. You know what I mean? And, and that really was kind of unfortunate for him because there were other things he did very, very well. Now, I'm not going to sit here. You used to talk about me praising Dave all year, and, and that's absolutely true. I'm not going to sit here and say I never criticized Dave McCormick because I thought last year, the first half, I mean, I, first half of the season, he was terrible. And I was basically saying they need to go five guards because Dave McCormick's not giving them anything. But I think that kind of goes back to the narrative of the story, which is David McCormick could frustrate Bill Self and he could make him angry, but Bill just kept going back to him. He kept going back to him. He kept faith in him. Even when people like me said, hey, it's time to move on from this guy, uh, he is not showing it on the court. And so that's a credit to Dave for sticking with it, but it's also a credit to Bill Self for seeing all that when it was not apparently evident and definitely the numbers were not screaming it. So probably Remy's more compelling, but uh, Dave is, is a great story in his own account too. And uh, that's why, yeah, it, it's, it's a really cool deal that his legacy is going to be this rather than what it might have been had the season ended a month ago. Yeah, uh, and such a, a crazy redemption arc, I, th- I think, is really the case for a lot of these guys on KU. Even, you know, you think about Jalen Wilson, or you think about, you know, it's not as much redemption, but for, you know, the 2020 team or whatever it is. Um, I, I've been kind of struggling with trying to figure out what the, you know, I guess lasting legacy or impact or, or way that we we take what happened this year with this team and, and view it in, in years ahead. Like, you know how how everything works with it. as soon as a team wins a title, whether it's the team you're covering or just in general, and that becomes a new data point about this is how you win a title or this is how you, you have a successful season. You, you know, do this right or you have this on your roster, whatever it is. And I look at this team, and yes, they did a lot of things really well, so I, I don't want to make it sound like they weren't a good team. They're clearly a, a really good team. They're one seed, you win the title, 34 wins, everything. But there's not like one specific thing that I think about with this team and say that, you know, for Bill Self to win a title, you look back to the 2022 team and they did X. So this team needs to do X. I almost just view it as as more, and I guess it's just like with enough dart throws. I know this is something you talk about a lot with the crapshoot that is the NCAA tournament. Like eventually if you take enough dart throws and eventually if you have enough one seeds, some of them are going to come up pretty for you. And I think maybe this is more of just a, a, I guess, result of that kind of idea? Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Um, so I think that this team had some fortune in its bracket and took full advantage of every break they got. You know what I mean? So it's like it's not taking away from this Kansas team. It's, it's saying that they got what they got, and then they made their own luck from there. And they came through, I mean – Listen, some of these teams that Kansas had to play to get there, you know, Miami or North Carolina or Villanova, those teams beat really good teams before Kansas. You know what I mean? Those teams uh, were able to do what the uh, – those teams that, that played those teams were not able to do what Kansas did, which was beat them on the national stage with the most important games. But 
I think you're right. I mean, every title team is different. I think a lot of times when people ask me, hey, how is the NCAA tournament different than other games if I'm looking to try to pick my bracket or whatever? And a lot of times I just shrug my shoulders because it's like they're still college basketball games. And we can talk a little bit about, hey, the bench is less important than the rest of the season, which we saw again this year. All four teams in the Final Four were 300 or worse in bench minutes. So maybe there are small technique or technical differences here that we can talk about just because of how the gameplay plays out in the tournament. But yeah, big picture. Sometimes you just win six games in a row and uh, that's what this Kansas team did. Obviously they locked down defensively better than they did earlier in the season. But um, yeah, I, I don't know that there's any grand proclamations I would make about what a national title team has to have. And if this Kansas team did have, I just think that um, we talked about this from selection Sunday, their path looks pretty nice. And not only looks pretty nice, it looks pretty nice like, hey, it looks really good. And if there's an upset or two, it looks really, really good. And that's what happened. You know, Iowa lost, Auburn lost, and then all of a sudden Kansas is looking up and going, wow, this, this thing kind of cleared out. Where did Gonzaga go? You know, where did Arizona go? Where, where, where did all these other – where did Baylor go? All these sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that there's any grand conclusions, but I think the first one you said is right, which is if you're built up and you always are in the game with Kansas, you give yourself a chance. And that's why, I mean, even going back to the TCU game, I, I rejected the notion at the time and wrote about it. Everybody was saying, oh, they lost at TCU. They're going to be out in the first weekend. Well, you can't say that. Every year's different. Every situation's different. Sometimes the bracket falls in front of you, and that's why I was in Kansas. I mean, this was a team that uh, not many people expected to advance a month, a month ago, but every tournament is different. And this Kansas team definitely took advantage of this one. We're talking with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. I did want to at least fit in one. I, I, it's so weird that the spring game, or I guess spring preview, whatever it's called now, um, is this weekend directly after this happened. Like, it couldn't have, you know, been spaced out a little bit more. Uh, is there anything you're interested or, or anyone you're interested in seeing on uh, Saturday? Uh, not too much. You know, uh, Lance Leifold typically, back in his Buffalo day, didn't, didn't even really have a spring game. So I think they're going to do just a little bit of scrimmaging at the end, just kind of for the fans or whatever. Um, but yeah, at this point, you know, basically the biggest thing is the newcomers. Those graduate transfers, a lot of them from the Big Ten. Just get a first glance at them and, and see what's, uh, what's up with those guys. A guy like Craig Young, potentially, on the defense, who can play a bunch of different positions and has all the measurables. Uh, probably even more so than a guy like uh, Kyron Johnson, who had flashes of huge moments last year against Kansas. But you know, Kalen Gervin, a cornerback from Michigan State, Deion Morrison, a running back from Nebraska, uh, Kai Thomas, a running back, local kid from Topeka, uh, who went to Minnesota last year. Just getting your first glance at those guys and seeing how they're going to do and uh, potentially how they can help this Kansas team uh, next season because they were brought in here to do that and be immediate impact guys. And, uh, uh, yeah, if they show some flashes at the spring scrimmage game, whatever we want to call it, then uh, potentially that gives you a little bit more optimism for the future for Kansas football in 2022. Okay, I do have a uh, kiss, Mary kill for you here. And I don't know, this might upset some people, so feel free to uh, back off on this one. Uh, 1988 Kansas, 2008 Kansas, and 2022 Kansas. Oh, man, I got to kill one of those? <laughs> I got to kill one of those? I'll say uh, lightly sacrifice. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, let's, if we're just being completely honest, and I think Derek, this kind of relates back to your other point, which is, you know, I, I was born in 83, so I grew up knowing about the 88 team. But, you know, you think of them as this magical team that made a run, but yet they were a six seed. So you kind of understand with this year's team, like, hey, it doesn't always have to the whole season feel like it's going to be a national title team. But I think the answer is pretty obvious. I'm, I would marry 08, 
Uh, still, I believe, the top-ranked team of the Ken Palm era the last 20 years, statistically. So that team was a juggernaut. I kissed the 2022 team. They're the newest one. They made the run at the right time. They obviously showed toughness and, and great team togetherness when they needed to. And I'll kill the 88 team because, by gosh, if there was Ken Palm back then, they probably would have ranked like 32nd <laughs> or something. So uh, congratulations, Danny Manning, for lifting up that team and, and taking that far. But the advanced numbers would have totally hazed you guys. All right, I can't wait for somebody to get mad at you that you killed the 1988 <laughs> team. But I appreciate you for playing along and being a good sport with it as well as all season long with that. Uh, before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right, Jesse, one last thing. When you go to bed, do you fall right asleep or do you lay there and toss and turn for a little bit? Uh, I can't go right asleep. I wish I could. It would be a good skill. I've actually read those articles, like some people in the military, how they do it because they have to be so efficient with their time and it doesn't work as well for me. But, yeah, sometimes you, you let your eyeballs fall and relax your shoulders. And uh, I try. I try my hardest, but it takes a little while to get to sleep. My dad, who was not in the military, somehow, as long as I have known him, could go from, I mean, it, it's just as soon as his head hits the pillow, he's snoring. I, it's And it annoys me to no end because um, it's just not a, a trait that I inherited. So I'm, I'm, always, I'm fascinated by people who have that ability. I admire those people uh, for sure. I, I wish I could do it, but, yeah, it takes a little while to shut the brain off. All right, well, Jesse, thank you again so much. Great coverage all year long in the Kansas City Star, and it'll continue on through the offseason. Get your spring preview this Saturday. Appreciate you coming on, man. All right, appreciate you guys. Thanks. All right, that's Jesse Newell, Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Welcome back to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll have Andy Stewart. That interview with the KU Rugby head coach, head coach, excuse me, for KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. We also have Sporting KC 2 head coach, Benny Failhaber, at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to do a ticket giveaway. They're playing here in Rock Chalk Park on Sunday. We're doing some ticket giveaways on our social media at RCST1320 and another one here live. Also, on our social media at RCST 1320. Hit us up if you want to join RCST Trivia. We're about halfway filled up right now, um, so we're still looking for more contestants. If you're new to how it works, it's just a 64-person bracket, just like the NCAA tournament, except the competition is listeners, you guys contestants, going up against each other and uh, just doing KU basketball trivia right next to each other. And it's sudden death, single elimination, high pressure. Every round you advance, you're getting prizes. So, like, you make it um, – Matt Llewellyn, I was talking with him. He's giving a $25 gift card for every time you win. So, if you get through if, – if you win the tournament, that's six wins, six $25 gift cards. That's a lot of Bill Self Mac yeah. and Cheese. And the if grand you, prize. If you wind up in the final four, you got 100 stinkies. That is Awesome. In addition to everything Street. else we have, that's just the prizes from 23rd Street. We have yeah. a ton of other stuff. The grand prize is a big screen TV, so join. Hit us up at RCST1320. Um, you can either tweet at us, DM us. You can see the registration tweet that we have, which we've just asked people to reply to with hashtag RCST Trivia. Join in on the action. Real quick, before we get to the daily poll, mm -hmm. I got a fun little, for anybody listening later, I've got a fun little, now do it responsibly, make sure you have a sober ride home. But if you're listening, maybe you go to the 23rd Street Brewery, have a couple pops, listen to RCST, do a little drinking game when uh, during that Andy Stewart interview. I'd like to see how many times, take a drink every time he calls you mate. 
<laughs> I love listening to Andy, dude. Oh, he, yeah. I love the accent. He he has one saying in there that I'd never heard before. Uh, take home all the chocolates, which I don't know if that's like a, you know, a saying. Um, it's like. I, I guess for all back, the marbles, like we'll, we'll say well, yeah, for all the marbles. But it makes me think back to the Brent Musburger. The, this is for all the, the Tostitos. Tostitos, right? I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. The other one I like, uh, I don't, the, the, now Australian people and British people, which I know they're connected uh, geopolitically, but geography, from a geography standpoint, they're nowhere near each other. But in both of those parts of the world, they have this saying, when something's secure, they'll say safe as houses. I like that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, he's always on time. Safe as houses. He'll be, yeah, it's, yeah, so I like that. I love it. I'm going to try to make it out to, I mean, this is going to be a busy weekend. I got, uh, I'm going to be out with the 105.9 KISS crew, 1030 to 1230 at the KU football spring game. We'll be over by the practice field in kind of the fun zone area, spinning our prize wheel. You can get free t-shirts and other goodies as well. Say hi, whatever. Um, So you can come by for that. Then we also, on um, Saturday after that, KU football spring game. I'm going to try to make it to one of the rugby matches. Uh, it's at three o'clock for for KU on Saturday. I'd assume the spring game or spring preview will be over by then. Sunday, you got the KU parade. You have more rugby going on. So it's going to be a fun weekend and kind of just feels like the party is just going to kind of continue on for KU after winning the title on uh, Monday night. I, I think I, they even called it the um, waving the wheat weekend, I think is what KU Athletics officially dubbed this after they announced the time for the parade. I thought I could have sworn I saw that somewhere that mm-hmm. they've got. I know, think they did. The yeah. ball, you've got I guess on email. You've about got that. the um, that, and you've got the, the the spring showcase for football. You've got rugby, of course. You've got uh, I think Kansas baseball has a game Saturday night against maybe Illinois State. Yeah, I think softball too um, on Friday or something. And then you've got uh, yeah, and then you've got the 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 big parade on Sunday, and it's a wave in the week we wave in the wheat weekend, and a chance to check out football and. Uh, baseball some sports you probably know a lot about and, and rugby some you may not know a lot about but you can learn yep all right our daily poll for today there's been a lot of talk with david mccormick and he was deserving for final four mop but just didn't get it and we talked with jesse newell you, you know that was crazy. i didn't realize it was that early he said somebody came up to me to vote at the under 12 timeout That's like, come stupid. on okay, you didn't even have a lead at that point and again he said it was on an app why do we need to vote if it's just an app it's just a button and it'll yeah. get automatically it's, it's calculated immediate. that that makes zero no sense. sense to me zero sense um nonetheless if he would have won final four mop he would have got his his jersey in the rafters and i know bill self-respects that so I do wonder if he will end up there. Now, if you're just basing it on the the other accolades, he's, you know, been like if you were to compare David McCormick to Perry Ellis, I've been very much on the side of I think Perry Ellis will get his jersey retired. When you look at two first team all Big Twelves, uh second team consensus all American, like uh, the the accolades that he had compared to say Marcus Morris, even though it was one more year, that does matter because it's for your college uh award are are pretty similar, if not better, in a lot of ways for Perry. Um but it's interesting because like David McCormick was never first team all Big Twelve like Perry, although it stinks because I do think he deserved it last year. And that's another thing. Yeah. He, he deserved it last year. He was the better center than Derek Culver in conference play, but they looked at the overall body of work and he ended up second team. This year he was third team, but the point is he's had at least some success outside of that, even though it's not like all American level. It would be funny though. I know neither one of us and and pretty much everyone is not expecting David McCormick to come back, but if he did, he would pretty much cement (laughs) that he would get his jersey retired. He'd probably probably be preseason big Uh, player. Yeah, yeah, it'd be him or Jalen Wilson if Jalen came back, right? Um, So nonetheless, we're going to ask two questions. Tomorrow we're going to ask the question of will 
David yep. McCormick get his jersey retired. And that's basically like bracketology. You're assuming what yeah, somebody else you're, is going to do. Yep. The poll that we're going to do today is should David McCormick get his jersey retired at KU? I yes say no? uh, it's so hard for me to say yes to this, but I just think I feel so, so strongly. Like normally I'd be like, well, I think he should have won, but he didn't, and that's that. But I feel so strongly that he was the best player for KU in the Final Four. I do too. Um, and I and I think for that, yeah. And, and I, I'll say this a lot. Now, look, David had some inconsistencies. He had some problems. I think a lot of criticism for David McCormick, some of it was warranted because he struggled. But I think some of it was also because he was a, a tall, you know, kind of thick, muscular guy, and a lot of people went. Ooh, Udoka. <laughs> yeah. And he just didn't have, and this isn't his fault, he just didn't have the freakish bounce. Udoka is a once-in-a-long-time type guy when you factor in size and bounce. McCormick had some times where he struggled to dunk because he was super tall, but yeah. that kind of bounce doesn't come with that kind of height very often. And so he was, he was an incredible athlete, is David McCormick. The problem is he followed up a freak athlete in Udoka. Um, so I think some of the criticism was warranted. Some of it was over the top because he followed up such an incredible basketball player. I would say, yes, he should, because I strongly believe he was KU's best player uh, in the final four in those two games. So I honestly, if I was making the criteria, I actually would not have final four MOP on there because to me, the, the jerseys being retired are more about individual player overall career. Whereas if you're final four MOP, like that's, it's an individual award, but it's a team award that you won the title. That's like that's a yeah. team thing. But knowing that it is part of the criteria, I think he absolutely should get his jersey retired. You can vote at RCST thirteen twenty. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go on KLWN. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, D Johnson at GPM Now. Dot com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back in another edition of our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. Whether you're out there celebrating with all of the KU National Championship action or just going out there for a nice drink, nice place to eat, hang out with some friends, and feel like you're part of the neighborhood, go out to Johnny's North in uh, Lawrence. Andy Stewart joins us again. We had Andy on, oh gosh, a month ago, five, six weeks ago, something like that from the KU Rugby Club. And it is a big weekend ahead for the KU Rugby Club. So, uh, you know, whether you're well aware of what's going on with rugby or if, um, you know, this is something that you want to go support and, and check out, highly recommend going out this weekend. Uh, but I guess first things first, since the last time we had you on, whenever that was, um, what's kind of happened for you guys over the course of the last few weeks in the season? Yeah, thanks, Derek. Um, we um, we looked at what our schedule was going to look like a long time ago, and we worked out what our best, uh, the best way that we could prepare for these uh, playoffs and then onto the nationals. So we've played a, f- a few men's teams, uh, so men's clubs teams. So we played against some big boys to get that physicality back into our game and really prepare us physically. Uh, we know we're fit enough and we know we've got the skills. We just wanted a bit of a hit out. So we've played the KC Blues and we had a good win against them. The Columbia Outlaws as well and we had a good win against them last weekend. So we're looking pretty good. 
And so um, when you're saying you're playing men's clubs teams, those are those are all you know uh, adults, 25, 30, 35, 40 year olds who are grown men playing against a college team, essentially, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's what we need. We need to go up against a bit of experience, a bit more physicality to try and prepare ourselves. So we've got one up against our opposition. Yeah. Um, so what all do you guys have going on this weekend? Kind of explain everything that that takes part on on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a huge week ahead of us, and it really starts Friday night when we have a uh, social interaction with our members and alumni and our team. Then on uh, on Saturday morning, we've got uh, the first game of the playoffs will actually be between Minnesota and Texas State, and that starts at one pm. Um, and then we're on at three o'clock uh, against uh, University of Texas San Antonio. Uh, and then on Sunday, we've got the uh, consolation bracket at ten am, so that'll be loser one v v loser two. And then at midday, or 12 p.m., we've got the winner, one, winner one versus winner two. So uh, all things going our way, mate. We'll be playing at uh, 3 o'clock Saturday and then uh, 12 p.m. on Sunday. And so where can people go? Where Where is uh, the complex and everything for people to come by and watch? Sure. It's at Westwick Rugby Complex, and the easiest way to find that is just to put it straight into your Google Maps. It's at the south end of town here in Lawrence. It's a great facility. Uh, out there, we will have concession stands. Um, we'll have, you know, a bit of a party atmosphere going on. We've got a bagpiper playing. It's going to be a pretty <laughs> cool, uh, pretty cool place to be. So, is that tradition? Or is there usually like a bagpiper, or a band, or something who's, who's playing out of the rugby game? No, not always. I mean, sometimes we do uh, the national anthem over a PA system with these big events. Um, we just thought maybe something a little different this year. We'll get a bagpiper out there, and um, yeah, just add to the festivities. So what do you guys need to have happen? Because uh, what what's the official title of this? Uh, nationals, like uh, sectionals, regionals. Uh, yeah, this uh, is this is the uh, East Regionals playoff, basically for the American College Rugby D one AA competition. So if we go forward in this, then we'll play in the nationals, which will be against the Western, uh, whoever wins the Western Conference, and that uh, whichever team comes out on top will be the top of the uh, country in D one AA. So this is essentially like the what like. Uh, Kind of like the quarterfinals, the, yeah. the eight teams left essentially. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you guys need to have happen to move on? Is it uh, you have to win this weekend to move through? Is it top two go through? No, it's win-win. So it's sudden death. So we have to win both uh, both games, um, and um, I think we've got the systems in place to do that. We played Minnesota at the end of last year, and we beat them in a very close match. But um, yeah, we may be up against them on Sunday. And if you guys are able to get through this weekend and, and make it to nationals, when does that happen? Where does it occur? Sure. It's, uh, it's going to be April 30 in Arlington, Texas, uh, and it is going to be a curtain raiser to uh, Dallas Jackals versus San Diego Legion in the uh, Major League Rugby competition. So that'll be huge. Be a big crowd. Be a, be a great event. Have you guys made it this far before or that far before? Have you have you won it all, gone to nationals? We've made playoffs before, but we've never made the national. Um, so this so would be a very big deal. Huge. Yeah. Huge I would the imagine club. the celebration would be pretty fun afterward on Sunday. Yeah, and there's a, there's a nice Jayhawk vibe going on this week, so uh, we're kind of trying <laughs> to ride on, that right? way too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just, so, so what is kind of the, the scouting report? Is, is there anything you can do with that? Because, uh, you know, this isn't like – Football, wherever games televised or anything like that. Do you guys have tape? Do you have ideas of of what to expect from your opponents and, and getting ready for them, or is it just kind of we're just worried about ourselves? Sure, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think eighty percent we worry about ourselves, twenty percent, um, or sorry, ten percent we worry about our opposition, and then ten percent is just on game day. So 
we do study some film of the other teams. They, they some of the other teams put it up on YouTube. We have a really great film set up and a, and a huddle platform that we use for our athletes. The national game will actually be televised. Uh, um, I don't know the exact details, but I know it's going to be televised. So um, there is opportunities there, you know, and you know, success breeds success. And I've said this the whole way through. Um, this year, you know, and the more we can build our profile as a great rugby club, the uh, the more talent we'll acquire. So, so what are you viewing as, as kind of the early scouting report on your opponents? Look, I think uh, if we stick to our systems, um, we, we play a very technical uh, brand of rugby, um, and we sit, stick to our systems, uh, things should go our way, and the opportunities will come up for us to score. Uh, and I'm confident, extremely confident, uh, both in our individual athletes, but more so in our team as a unit, uh, to bring home the chocolates. This <laughs> and uh, you said you played in Minnesota last year. Have you played the other two teams at all? Are you familiar with them? No, we haven't played them. Um, I've seen a bit of their game film. Um, and, uh, you know, I think uh, if we stick to our systems, we're in good shape. Uh, are there any players, individuals to watch? If somebody goes out there, you know, and sees, wow, that guy's really good, or, or you know, who could have a, a key moment or play a key role in you guys trying to advance over the course of the weekend? Yeah, it's something I talk to the guys a lot about. Um, and you know, there's that old saying, "There's no iron team," and our, our team functions the best when they're together. Uh, we have various leaders on the field, but every single player plays a role. And if you come out to the complex, you watch what we've tried to create as a team that has cohesion and connection and you'll see uh, 23 great rugby players playing for the for the Jayhawks. Awesome. Well, uh, looking forward to this weekend. I'm going to try to make it out for sure. Uh, Saturday is, is going to be pretty busy for me, spring game and KU parade. I'm going to try to make it for the game by three. I'm hoping the KU spring game is before then, but worst case, I'm coming out on Sunday. So I appreciate you coming on again, um, and I'm looking forward to this weekend and, and wish you guys the best of luck. I'd, I'd love to see you guys out at Nationals. Thanks, Derek. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you out there on the weekend, mate. All right, that's Andy Stewart, KU Rugby. This interview brought to you by Johnny's in North Lawrence. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Truck Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Home opener this weekend at Rock Chalk Park for uh, Benny and, and the crew. Uh, real quick, though, Benny, obviously, you know, you were coaching at UCLA last year. They make a Final Four in basketball. Now you're back in the area. Again, SKC2 playing in Lawrence here. KU wins a national title. Do you have some good luck going on? Are, are you a college basketball good luck charm? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess so. The funny thing is, I moved to Kansas City in 2013, and we won MLS Cup in 2013. Royals won the World Series in 2015. <laughs> the Chiefs won in, was it 19 or 20? KU just won it, so something's, something's in the water. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Um, so how would you compare yourself as a, a as a player versus Benny Failhaber, the coach? Um, I don't know yet. It's a good question. I think... Uh, you know, the one thing that I can say that is very consistent in all facets of my life is that I'm very competitive and I want to win. Um, always was like that as a player, and I can still definitely tell that through the first couple of games during the season that I still have that, you know, competitive streak in me. And so 
um, I think that's a good thing. You know, you, you kind of the players sense that from you, and, and hopefully you can pass that on and make sure that all the guys have that same feeling of you know win at all costs. Well, you guys played uh, at Minnesota on Sunday, earned a victory, three points there. What do you think of your team's performance and so far your start to the season as you're getting ready for your home opener this weekend? I've been really happy. I mean, the guys have uh, been able to, you know, take a lot of the things that, that me, get, me and my uh, assistant Ike uh, Opara has been able to teach the kids, and, 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 and they've really been able to implement that in the game plan. And so, look, it's two games in, so it doesn't, it doesn't uh, you know, mean we're – we're there yet or, or not there yet. It just means that we're going in the right direction. And, and, and obviously we've been able to get those four points on those first couple road games, but we're excited to come home and play in front of our fans. Um, and hopefully the KU fans are still uh, very excited from the game a couple nights ago and, and, and make sure their presence is felt uh, on Sunday night. Yeah, taking on Houston in that game on Sunday at Rock Chalk Park. What's going to be the key for you guys in, in performing well over this weekend? Yeah, I think it's about continuing to build on the things that we've we've kind of introduced. And, and we're obviously trying to get all the players to understand the philosophy throughout our organization from first team to second team throughout the academy. And so uh, guys are picking up on things pretty quickly. We're a team that likes to be on the front foot, likes to attack, likes to press the other team and, and, and have them make mistakes and take advantage of that. And so we're an exciting team to watch, um, and hopefully we can present that uh, on Sunday for the fans. And that game is at 6 o'clock on Sunday at Rock Chalk Park here in Lawrence. Um, how excited are you for the home opener? Have you guys been training in Lawrence? What are your thoughts on, on kind of the facilities? So we have not been training at the facility, and I've actually used that as a, a little bit of a, a mental edge, I hope, for the players where you, you don't want to bring them into that environment too early because you want it to be special. And so um, we've been training at Swope, which is our normal training environment, and we're, we're keeping you know Rock Chalk Park to be just the game time uh, arrival and, and kind of hopefully have that uh, – influence on the guys where they're very excited to be at our home stadium for the first time, first time seeing it. Uh, I've been there. Mike's been there. Uh, most of our coaching staff has, has seen the facility, and it's, it's first class, so we're all very excited, and hopefully the players can can use that as, as motivation on something. Well, one of your players, uh, Matteo Bunbury, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, he's joining the U-20 Canadian team. I mean, what kind of talent is this kid that, that people can go out to watch on Sunday? Yeah, well, he uh, he's a very young kid still and with, with tons of potential. Uh, don't want to throw too much pressure at him too early, but he's developing really well. He had his first professional goal this last weekend in his uh, hometown of, of Minneapolis. And so, um, yeah, he's, he's just improving, man. He's got a lot to give. He's trained with the first team before. Um, he's a big kid, strong kid, very technical, and he's exciting to watch. He likes to dribble and try and cut inside and, and score goals. So, um, I'm sure if, uh, if fans come out, he'll, he'll become a fan favorite very quickly. What are you guys hoping to accomplish as the season just really getting going here? What, what's the goal for you guys at the end of this season? Look, the, the, the goal for, for myself as a coach is, is very clear-cut, and that's to help these players, each and every one of them, improve because our, our you know overarching goal is to help develop players to eventually play on the first team. And I think part of that comes with my, you know, second 
uh, equivalent goal, which is to win, right? And so building a winning mentality is such a big, big part of professional sports. And so to win and to continue to develop our, our, our uh, players, our young players, is everything. And so in terms of what our goal is as a team, it's first to make the playoffs, which is, I think, a solid goal for any professional team in American sports because of how the playoffs are set up and then make a run. You know, I think for me, I'd love to win our first year, first MLS Next Pro Championship, um, the ability to make a run and hopefully win it all, I think is the ultimate goal. But, again, it's to make the playoffs at the very least and, and, and make a run from there. All right, this is Benny Failhaber. He is the head coach for Sporting KC2. Come on out this Sunday night, 6 o'clock. Again, we're going to be doing a ticket giveaway tomorrow on RCST. Well, Benny, before we let you go, um, we always do something. My co-host and producer, Adam Dravetto, we call it One Last Thing with Adam. All right, Benny, one last thing. What are the chances we can change the name of Sporting KC2 to the Fighting Adam Drovettas? Say that again, the Fighting what? The Fighting Adam Drovettas. That's my name. <laughs> I think the chances are slim, but never say never. All right, chances are slim, but I am not. Good answer. Thanks for joining us today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk here. Royals and the Guardians. I just remember they had the new name. Yeah, uh, one Guardians. One, opening day over there. Um, once again, you can get registered for RCST Trivia at RCST1320 on our Twitter account, and also going down on our Twitter account is our daily poll, which we're going to ask a follow-up tomorrow of will David McCormick get his jersey retired, but the question we asked today, should David McCormick get his jersey retired at KU? Currently, 57% say yes, 43% say no. I think that my, I'm surprised by that. I'm kind of, I, I think people might be hiding, riding the high a little bit, although I do agree. I think it should. Um, I wonder if you asked that same question in June. I bet that number's closer to 50-50. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it is pretty I, I could close be wrong. to um, But, yeah, I think a lot of people are riding high from just a remarkable performance Saturday night into, and then, of course, Monday night. Um, so, yeah, that... Um, you know, I, I think it, it's a it's a, a worthy question to ask now after after what we just saw in the in the final four and and he's going to. I'm glad they wound up cutting down both nets because he gets to keep one. I assume the other one will wind up over um, in the booth oh, hall. Of yeah, over over athletics. the tro- over the trophy. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen. Do they get? Do they give out the big crystal basketball anymore? Because that used to be that always went to the national champion, but officially it was to the team that finished number one in the in the coaches poll. Yeah, um, I would assume. which was always the national champion. But I haven't seen them. I don't know if they if they do that anymore or not. I would assume they do. I mean, I don't remember that tradition ever dying. But yeah, it was never something. Because I know in 08 they were presented a heavy trophy. They went. I think it was Darnell, Sasha, and and Self went to the ceremony the next morning to get that trophy. It wasn't mm-hmm. given the night of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, nonetheless, still, again, phenomenal season for KU. I, I said earlier, um, you know, I'm not a big fan personally of, like, I, I get the importance of, I think that the rafters and the jersey retirement should be separate than team awards. So, like, I, I get it. That is as important of an individual word as you can win because it signifies you winning a championship. 
but that's kind of the point to me. Um, there can't be a big list of teams or of programs that have two uh, Final Four MOPs from seasons that didn't win the title. Well, yeah, right? I was just going to ask that. B.H. Born that. In, in, won it in 53. Mm-hmm. Kansas lost by a point to Indiana. Yeah. And I'm almost certain Wilt won it in 57. Well, I was just going to ask that. If, if hypothetically, uh, the votes all come in and then a, g- a game goes to overtime or something and North Carolina wins and David and, McCormick wins Final Four MOP despite them losing. Yeah. Uh, what's this pull at? That's a good question. Because he would he fit would, the criteria. He fit the criteria, but people would be really bummed. Right. So I, I don't know. I just think it's kind of interesting. But again, given that that is part of the criteria, if, if that's the rule we're going to go by, then yes, it, it all, should be. Again, in. though, it all goes back to, we, we've I, I don't know how many more times we can bring this up because I'm sure people may be sick, and, sick of hearing us talk about it because we talked about it with one another. We talked about it with Newell. The ridiculousness of, of how the voting goes, when you mm-hmm. truly just vote, digitally and it's therefore counted digitally um i don't understand why you can't wait till the game's over what's what's gained by i i see nothing gained by doing it early and i see a lot lost by doing it early and so i I don't get um i don't know i don't understand why why they vote for mop when they when it seems like they do yeah um and honestly you could have had an argument for a North Carolina player at that point. At, at, at the other 12 tw- timeout, North Carolina was, I think, still up six, five or six, weren't they? Uh, I don't remember at but that point. Either way, I mean, it. it I don't know. It was, I think, kind of a odd way to do things. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Not, so there, not up to me. There's a world out there where um, if the NCAA was quicker with decisions— this wouldn't even be possible. I mean, Oklahoma State, again, and it's very different. Like, Oklahoma State didn't fight the NCAA, which, again, future reason why you should fight the NCAA. The team Kansas beat in the national championship. They fought the NCAA, and they didn't really suffer from it. Um, and they won the title, like, five years ago. Uh, there is a world out there where if the NCAA was quicker with their decision, or if KU doesn't fight this, and if they just accept what's coming to them, that they're not even in this NCAA tournament. Think about that. And that's two they would have missed, one due to COVID. Um, and then this, we, you know, I don't know. I still, a, a huge, and I know we want to talk about how 2020, it, like the butterfly effect of missing out on 2020, how, how that relates to this year. And we'll get to that, that in a moment. But I do kind of wonder how much, not just the KU's willingness to fight the NCAA on this, but the fact that everything is now, virtually everything that happened is now, you know, not against the rules and is done above the table, you know, I, I don't know what the punishments, I get they're still level one violations and I get one of them was still lack of institutional control and that's a big deal. But I, I really truly wonder if it just comes down to we're taking down the banner in 2018 and that's it. That. And if that happens, that would be, I mean, really, I, I still don't see what could possibly happen. I mean, the, the 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 discussions were, this is going to change uh, the landscape of major college basketball. Mm-hmm. And what was the other quote? That, that major college basketball programs are going to uh, be crushed because of this. Those were the words. 
And so far, major college basketball programs have been winning national championships and going to Final Fours. <laughs> uh, which makes it so great that Mark Emmert had to hand the trophy over there. And you, he was absolutely soiling himself and mm-hmm. i think that's why he said i think he he was he was in he knew how awkward the moment was and that's why he said kansas city jayhawks yeah i don't think like i don't think he's a dumb guy i think he's um i disagree with a lot of what he does i don't think he's a stupid man though um and i think obviously i think he knows where kansas i mean he works for the ncaa they used to be based in kansas city he's aware of the difference between the university of kansas and kansas city mm-hmm. um I think it was just one of those things where he, all he could think about was how awkward that was um, and how probably mad he was that Kansas was standing next to him. And I think that's why he boobed up the way he did. Well, why we're, while we're hanging in the alternate universe world of you know the idea that it's not that crazy that Kansas could have been banned from this postseason had things moved a little bit differently there, have you thought about at all um, how – like things would have been affected this year if the 2020 tournament ends up happening, because I think I think there's two different ways of looking at it. Let's say the 2020 tournament ends up happening, and let's say that as as great as that KU team was, and as great compared to the field as that KU team was, that I think was the biggest thing because they right. weren't as good as say the 18 Nova team. Mm-hmm. They weren't as good, but the separation between them and whoever was second is probably equal. But even then, we know. It's it's never if you take one team versus the field, you always take the field in college basketball, right? Yep. So there wouldn't have been a guarantee. I mean, we haven't seen the number one overall seed win the national title since 2013 Louisville, yep. right? So they, and it's only happened three not a guarantee. Time, it's only happened three times ever mm-hmm. since they started seeding the ones. So let's say hypothetically that team were to be upset in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight or Final in Four. Fact, or something, sorry right? to interrupt, but I just it just occurred to me. It has been, I think, it's more often, more often since they've started seeding the ones that the one seed gets bounced in the first weekend than makes the Final Four. Or, no, wins the national championship anyway. So, I guess, um, I just lost my train of thought. Um, We're just talking about uh, where KU ranked in, in yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah. So, so, let's if, say if they would have lost. Let's say they would have lost yeah. at, at some point in time before we, winning the title they get upset by a four in the Sweet 16. Now, as, as much as that was said to be during the press conferences this year and how we use that as motivation and, and we want to win this, not just for this team, but for that, ni- or for that 2020 team, I don't know. Like, does it change the motivation? Like, if, if they didn't win it, are they less motivated? Because you're still trying to win a title. So, I don't know. But it does make you wonder, like, does that change the motivation at all? I wa- Part of me wonders, because there is, I think everybody, has, I think pros that's why I go back with the Chiefs. I think an important reason you want young players, if you're the Chiefs, um, isn't just that uh, isn't just that they're they're younger and, and you know can theoretically in better shape. It's because they're not you know you win a title, it's easy to get fat and happy. It's a rare type of person who says you know who who their immediate thought after winning a championship is now we got to get better because I want mm-hmm. more. That's a rare mindset. The common mindset is 
this is great, let's party, let's celebrate, this is amazing. So I do think there's something to be said that it doesn't make you not competitive. It doesn't make you lazy. Well, no, I'm I just saying think if they didn't win you, the title. What? I'm saying if they didn't win the title. Oh, if they didn't? Because, oh, um, because in the same no, way. No, 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 no. Then, no, then I don't think so. I think you are thinking maybe, I guess I could compare it to like 08. Because in, in 08, they weren't like saying, because it was all the same players, mm-hmm. they weren't saying, let's win it for the 2017. I think their their mindset was, we got so close to the Final Four last last year, let's bust through. So maybe that's the mindset that Ochai and Dave, they're not saying, let's win this for Doak and Dot. They're saying, God, we got so close two years ago, let's break through now. That, I think, is more likely. Yeah, I really don't think it would have ended up impacting. I do think the the scenario where it might have, Let's say that team did win the title. Let's say there was a tournament and they did win the title. Um, at that point, I think, I, I mean, again, we don't know this for sure, but Oshag Baji was very close to leaving for the NBA last year. He was very close. He ended up deciding to come back in the very end. If you have a national championship in your pocket, which I know that wouldn't have been the year he left, but at that point Follow you have here. a national championship in your pocket, well, which and, also— And if that title run included, included him going well, on, right, yeah. then there's an even better chance he leaves. Yeah. And yeah, then, because you know. if he's got the title and that title run, like let's say maybe if KU does win, they don't. He doesn't win MOP of the Final Four, but let's say he's like Remy, he he goes off and wins MOP of the region, and they make the Final Four. So he's got he's got you know shown a lot of talent plus shown out on a huge stage. Yeah. And that in its own is enough to deter Kansas from winning the title this year. You take away your yeah, first-team All-American. So I guess I guess the point of where I'm going with that is it's easy to sit here and say that um, this should be the second title in three years for Kansas. It doesn't get to work like that. No, I, it, just like it, just like the Royals. You know, if oh man, if Alex Gordon, you know, why is able to make it home in 2014 against the Giants and the Royals go on to win an extra mm-hmm. innings. That doesn't mean they win it in 15. And yeah. they, that, that Oh, that means they're back-to-back. A lot of things, you know, in some ways each season is its own independent thing. But when you have so many of the same players, uh, or in this case maybe you don't have the same players because Ochai is gone, um, you can't just automatically make that assumption because I think even if Ochai is back, I do think there's something to be said about the players are – Maybe they're feeling a little extra pressure, or maybe they're um, just kind of feeling, "Hey, we already got our title. This is, you know, they're that doesn't like I said that doesn't make you weak or anything. I think self because he loves the word would probably say soft, but I think it's just human nature to kind of relax after you've achieved something at the highest level. Yeah, yeah, I th- I think that's right, and yeah, so it it's hard to say that they would win two and three I mean, years. Look, We've seen other teams do it, but the t- two years after Kansas won it in two thousand eight, they blew through the regular season. They lost two games all year. They were the number one overall seed, and they got bounced by Northern Iowa and Oklahoma City, and that that would have been the same setup going for two titles in three years. Mm-hmm. So things happen. I mean, you could make the argument that because theoretically. Again, like I think that Kansas team had a twenty five percent chance to win the title by a couple different sites. Twenty? Twenty five. Um, no, it, the twenty twenty team. Yeah, yeah, the twenty twenty okay. team. So you can make the argument that there was a better chance than not you were gonna end up disappointed. And I get that. That's the NCAA tournament every year. You could just say, well, we won a title, we got motivation out of it, and we didn't have to suffer. What would have been because if you would have lost in twenty twenty before making the final four, that would have felt I mean 
uh, would, similar you know, to, you know, 2011, The, the 2015 Kentucky team, which was far better than mm-hmm. the 2020 Kansas team, but if you just want to talk percentages, the 2015 Kentucky team that was undefeated had a basically a 50-50 shot of going to the Final Four. And I think that KU team, based on the rest of the field, probably would have been had like a 43, 44% chance of going to the Final Four. So pretty, like a coin flip shot to go to the Final Four, but more than more likely than not, they're not winning a title. Yeah. But yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe you do have your cake and eat it too. But yeah, it's just, it's kind of funny because all those things had to add up and had to work out, and they certainly did. And Kansas is your 2022 national champions. We're going to take a timeout here, get to another Masters update. Then continue on with our RCST replay after that. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Rivetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it.